And welcome in to this week's edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Ryan the Hacker Green with you. Glad you are with us. Joined, as always, by Denny Thompson of the Sports Den. You hear him every weeknight on both 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Denny, my man, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm tired. You're traveling around a lot, man. you got a lot of you got a lot of things going on in it's your life right now. It's a busy right time now. of year right now. This is, quarterback training business is from December to January, it starts to pick up. January to, say, March or through February, it's like stable. And then all of a sudden, college spring break hits sometime late February, early March. And then from that point to until the end of July is nonstop because you get college spring breaks. I've got elite 11s. I make college trips, and then we've got our now what is now 213 quarterbacks locally. Good for you. Training. So it, it is it's bananas right now, but but fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, no question about it. You know, you talk about college coaches. Obviously, you know a lot of those guys with the work you do with six points and the quarterback training. Let's talk about spring ball. Not so much uh, focus on a player right now, but overall, whether it's the University of Florida or whomever, we'll obviously focus on the Gators right now because it's a Gator podcast. What do college coaches, Denny, hope to accomplish in spring ball? With the knowledge that the Miami game is still over four months away, what is Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham and the guys in Gainesville, what are they hoping to accomplish as spring ball wraps up next Saturday? You know, that's, that's interesting. I'm glad you asked that. and this is, uh, That's a great place to go here because um, this time last week I was in Tallahassee at Florida State's practice. Um, and then a couple weeks ago I was in Gainesville. Um, and I've been to a couple other places, but just let's use those two for a second. Like this, the difference in the way that those two teams practice is night and day. Not good or bad, just completely different. Um, when I went to Florida, the thing that I noticed is they're in midseason form from a practice standpoint. They're crazy organized. They're moving all over the place. Um, they haven't changed a whole lot system-wise, right? And so their guys, older guys teaching younger guys, um, they don't spend as much time on just on install and stuff like that. It's just let's go. Let's get better. And they look like a team that's been practicing, and it's the middle of September, late September. Mm-hmm. I go to Florida State, and it's a completely different thing. It's a much slower tempo because there's a lot more install, and there's a lot more you know, battles, position battles going on. And so there's a lot more one-on-one and seven-on-seven and half-line and inside drill and and all that kind of stuff when, going on in Tallahassee. When you say install, because Florida State's got a new offensive coordinator, yep. installing a new offense, Florida's got the same scheme, so there's not as much teaching going on because the Gators are more familiar with their staff. Right, and and it's well, and, and the interesting thing is, I don't want to turn this to a Florida State podcast, but but it goes along with the question. Florida knows what they have personnel-wise. Florida State has no idea. Right. No idea. And so at Florida State, they're trying to figure out, like, like, the thing that I left Tallahassee away with was that coaching staff is actually pretty legit over there. Like, they, they, they know what they're doing. They're getting after it. It's the, the talent deficiency they have in Tallahassee that is the issue, the depth. And, and they just – there is none. And it's and at Florida, it's a completely different thing. At Florida, they don't have any depth at certain positions, offensive line being the main one. But they're so loaded at other positions, they're just cycling guys in and out. And it is full-speed practice all the time. And it's it's just interesting to see how different it is. To answer your question directly, though, what is Mullen and Grantham and guys like that looking for right now? I think for the large part they're looking for one or two positions, but they are looking for that magical depth that you need in college football right now. What positions are we solid in? What positions do we maybe need to take a flyer on somebody that transfers in the summer? Um, 
I think they're 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 happy with their quarterback situation. They're happy with their receiver situation. Um, they need to get healthy at tight end, and then they need to figure out the offensive line. And then the offense is done defensively. I think for a large part they're done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, they they lost some guys. They lost Chauncey Gardner Johnson. They lost Jakai Polite. There are guys they need to replace. But by and large, you look at the guys coming back in that secondary. Marco Wilson coming back from injury. You got. Uh, with C.J. Henderson, Brad Stewart, Trey Dean. you got a lot of guys, a lot of young guys that have played a lot of football. So it's interesting, even though a lot of those guys are sophomores or maybe juniors now, they have a lot of experience because they played yep. so early in their Gator career. You know, you talk about offensively back to that side of the ball. We spent a lot of time on quarterbacks, spent a lot of time on the offensive line last week here on Gator Bites. What about the skill positions? We'll start at wide receiver. I think, Denny, this Gator wide receiving core has the potential to be one of the best ones we've seen in the last 10 or 15 years no doubt. in Gainesville. I mean, you look, Van Jefferson, I think is going to be a stud. I think Trevon Grimes is going to be a stud. I think Tyree Cleveland's almost the forgotten guy. Yeah, you think about the impact he's had mm-hmm. on Gator football, whether it's the 99-yard touchdown against LSU, the Hail Mary against Tennessee, two of the more memorable plays in recent Gator football pass. So just those three guys, Cleveland, Grimes, and Jefferson, and you combine some of the young kids, even uh, Kadarius Toney, on down the line. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think Kadarius Tony is the one that I'm most excited about. More than Van Jefferson. Yeah, because I see the way they're using Kadarius Tony in, the, in all the different ways. They're trying to make him basically a Percy Harvin type. Okay. And it's – it's uh, here's the thing. They that, tried to do that with Brandon Powell. It didn't seem to work. So, hopefully it, – it, I mean, it did when, when he was in the game. It's, yeah. Brandon Powell was one of those guys like, why is he not getting more touches? And I think they're trying not to make the same mistake with Kadarius Tony, but – the thing that intrigues me about Florida's offense, specifically the receiver positions, they got all these dudes that are really good, but they're all different. And so you've got Grimes, you've got your big-bodied, third-down, go-up-and-get-it type of guy who can run. you got Jefferson, who is, like, one of the best route runners there is. He's not going to run 4-3, he's not going to run 4-4, four, four, but he can run routes. Then you got your speed guys. And so you have all these different weapons that can come at you different ways. And the reason why that's important is, now the other team has to plan for not just one type of zone coverage or not just what they – the only thing they can plan is to man up based on personnel. Mm-hmm. And there's very few teams that are going to be able to go, okay, I'm going to match you speed for speed. I'm going to match you technique for technique, and I'm going to match you size for size. There's very few teams that can do that. So I, I think it just – I don't know if it's on purpose, but I don't think it is. I think it's a collection of recruits over the past couple coaching staffs. But – I think it's coming together really, really nicely. And the way Felipe's playing right now, I, I expect humongous things as long as he has time to throw the football. And you got to wonder who the young guy will be this year. You know, obviously everybody, just like we are, is talking about Jefferson, Tony, Grimes, Cleveland. There will be a young guy that will emerge. Will that be a Jacob Copeland? Will that be somebody that comes in uh, even in the fall as, as a true freshman enrollee in August? But you know somebody is going to emerge to kind of round out a four or five really good wide receiver unit at the University you know what's of Florida. Nice, what's up? We don't have to have that. Right. Right. Which it, in the past couple of years, yeah. we've been begging. Like, okay, please one of these dudes step up. And like you said, you had guy. to have it. You had to have a young guy emerge. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to have that this you, year. You can have a young guy develop. Right. And if you have a young guy come in and get eighteen catches, twenty two catches, and he learns the system then you're ahead of the game. We don't have to throw that guy out there to have 40 or 50 catches. What about running backs? Uh, Jordan Scarlett's gone. Uh, obviously, a lot's going to be relied on little Michael P. Ryan, no question about it. Boy, and after the bowl game, he had a lot of expectations mm-hmm. for little Michael P. Ryan. 
want to see a lot more Damian Pierce. I thought Damian Pierce in, in stretches last year was very good. And then a guy we really didn't see a lot of that I was high on the recruiting circle is Iverson Clement. Iverson Clement from, I believe, the state of New Jersey uh, came all the way down to the University of Florida, was a four-star recruit, didn't really see him on the field last year. You'll get that opportunity, I would imagine, this year, and I think he has the potential to do some things as well. I don't worry about the running back position at all. I think the running back position is going to be strong. Um, I think it's going to be dictated on – I keep going back to the big guys. Yeah, I keep going back to that. I, I just – right now we all think that Florida is a top six team. 17 yeah going the and I, I want to get I want to we'll talk about the big guys I want to circle back around that because I, I hope Gator fans are aware when you look at that schedule man See, schedule's tough it doesn't do much for me really no it really look, doesn't you got Miami and Auburn that come on there's like four top 25 teams in it yeah but that's it I mean if I were to tell you you got to play Miami you got to play Florida State you got to play Auburn you got to play Georgia you got to play LSU you got to play South Carolina they never play well okay. at Missouri Okay, hold on, time out. Miami, really? You're really scared of Miami right now? Miami's not My, San Jose State. That's My, who Norm Florida normally starts with. I, I, it's a tougher starting game I'm than just, they've had. All I'm and, saying is this isn't Miami from whenever. This isn't Florida State from a couple years ago. Like Real talk right now, if you look at that schedule, Florida State is not a top 25 team. Miami is not a top 25 team. They're not going to be preseason top 25 teams. There's like three or four. That's it. And, and I know, like, Miami and Florida State are rivalry games and all that kind of stuff, but just being honest, it, it's both it's, – that's two games that, as Florida fans, we all expect to win right now. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I think you expect to win, but, I mean, would you be shocked if they lose either one? To Miami? Hell yeah, You'd be, be shocked. shocked if they yes. lose to Miami. Absolutely shocked. Wow. I need to get you and Leon Searcy in a room together. I, I'm, Y'all I'm, need to have a cocktail and a cigar and I'm discuss glad. this. I'm glad. I, I don't even need the cocktail. I don't even need the cigar. Just – Put me and Big Surce in a room and let's go because I, I am not a Miami guy right now for multiple reasons, and, and I think I don't – Tate Martell ain't the answer, bro. Tate Martell by week four or five will not be the starter. Is Martell going to start or is no, Kosey Perry going to start? start? I, I mean, just throw Jaron Williams in there, and I don't make this a Miami podcast, but you've already seen what Perry can do. There's a reason why Tate Martell is Tate Martell. Mm-hmm. I, I mean – don't even get me started. I'm not worried about Miami at all. Give me the eight and a half and let's roll. Well, let me let me round about to the big boys on the offensive line. I guess my point is you're having to bring in four new starters along the offensive line. This is the year you'd want to play Sisters of the Poor in week one. The fact that those four new starters are going to go up against a Miami defensive line that is better than most teams you open up with at the University of Florida, that gives me a little bit of pause that uh, Felipe Franks might be in some trouble opening weekend. I'm good. I'm good on that open weekend. I'll go with you long term. I, my, I, I, it, the, the fact that we're playing Miami, the only thing that worries me about Miami is we have no idea what they're going to do because even though they, they want to sell you that they just hired Dan Enos as an offensive coordinator, Dan Enos hadn't called plays in a good minute. Mm-hmm. Dan, Dan Enos has been a quarterback coach who's never run the system that he says he's going to run at Miami. So there's that aspect of we have no idea what they're going to do that maybe gives them a little bit of an advantage and they know what we're going to do. But – Outside of that, from a personnel standpoint, from anything else, I really am not I, I'm not that worried about them. Long-term, yes. As we get into the meat of SEC play, um, that offensive line could be exposed, and, especially if you have an injury. And, you know, the fact that Auburn does come on, and it's the first time Auburn's been at the Swamp in a long time. That'll be a great game. By the way, homecoming. Florida announced that as the homecoming game. I know you uh, have some thoughts on Auburn because of Joey Gatewood Mm -hmm. and see what he might be able to do. Will he be the starting quarterback by the time Auburn rolls into Gainesville? But 
I see Auburn come on the schedule, Mississippi State come off. To me, Auburn is probably a tougher matchup than Mississippi State would be. Uh, Auburn's good. Yeah. Auburn's really good, and, and I think Joey will be the starter to start the year, um, personally, from, from the, what information I've gotten. And, and that game, you know, I'm going to be – I'll be at the Swamp, I'll be on the sideline, and I'll be split colors. Like, I'll, I'll be neutral. Yeah, because for people that don't know, you go yeah. back to six points in the quarterback training, you trained Joey Gatewood – Long before a lot of people knew who Joey oh, yeah. Gatewood was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joey's a great, great guy. He's just matured and is going to be a hell of a football player. But Auburn's good. Auburn had a lot of kids that decided not to go to the draft wisely on a defense that's pretty stacked. And so they're going to be a very good football team. Gus Malzahn like, kind of took back over that call- play calling, and he took it over right for the bowl game. And all they did was put 56 up in a half. So I think he's realizing, hey, my job's on the line. Let me get back to what I do. That's going to be a tough one. Those are my worries, is, is though, as is, is you start stacking those games up, and if you have a guard and a tackle go down, and next thing you know, you're having to run a true freshman out there. Yeah, that's a, that's a concern, and that's, that's where I was going, is we may think this is a top six team, a top seven team, a top eight team, or even a top ten team. You lose two offensive linemen and already a suspect group. Right. You may not be a top 18 or 20 You've team. got to stay healthy, because the guys that you're even putting in to start the year – haven't started, you know, right. for the guys that are going to play have never started a game. If those guys were to go down, you go even further down the depth chart, it could be a bad situation. You know, Dan Mullins coming into year number two. There are a lot of SEC programs coming in to year number two with their new head coach. Think of Jimbo Fisher out of Texas A&M, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. You can throw in the two uh, Mississippi schools with Joe Moorhead and Matt Luke. And then, of course, uh, with Chad Morris at Arkansas. Boy, what a bad year it was yeah. in year one. Chad Morris better figure that out pretty quick, or, or he's going to be out, out on, on the street looking for a job. But I want to focus now on Florida, on A&M, and on Tennessee. If you're a volunteer fan, an Aggie fan, or like most people listening, a Florida Gator fan, who feels better or who feels the best going into year number two with their head coaches? I think Florida feels the best because they're further along as a program right now. Um, as much as we dislike Jim McElwain, it was left in probably a little better condition than the other two programs were left. Um, and Jimbo's got to deal with Saban. You right. can't get out of the division unless you beat Saban. Got to deal with Saban. He's got to deal with LSU, which I guess is they, they won that you know seven overtime Seven overtime. Game. overtime. It never should have yeah. been an overtime. But, uh, but I, I mean, I think Florida feels the best. I think Tennessee, I got to think they're so numb at this point. I mean, if you think about how long it's been since Tennessee's been any good, I hope they give Pruitt time. But my hunch is they're not interested in keeping a coach for four or five years if he's not going to produce. You know as well as I do because you follow recruiting, you talk to these kids. I get the sense Pruitt's turning the corner in recruiting, but maybe not as fast as some would have thought. He's getting better kids going to Tennessee but I think you and I were both in agreement it might have been a little quicker than what it's appearing Dude, to I'll, be. Dude, I'll tell you this. He, the quality he's getting is crazy. The fact Jeremy Pruitt's got this thing about him that there's, there's, it takes a certain cat to recruit Florida. And, and there's not everybody can do it. And so we get a lot of schools from up north that will contact, uh, like myself, like, hey, you know, how do I get to this kid? How do I, Jeremy Pruitt don't have that problem. Jeremy Pruitt's got – the swagger, he's got the, the, the likability that he can walk in and he can sit in the living room with any parent. And he can convince them that the University of Tennessee and him are the best fit for that parent in about 10 minutes. And it's, it's his greatest attribute. is He can walk in there right now to this station. Have you ever met Jeremy Pruitt? I have. Okay. He could walk in and 10 minutes later he'd have you feeling like y'all have known each other for 30 years. Yeah, yeah. It's just the way he is. He's going to do fine recruiting. The question is, 
can he keep enough quality assistance at Tennessee? Okay, will they give him the budget? And can he keep enough quality assistance at Tennessee that he can then develop these recruits? Because that's the genius at Alabama is not do they just recruit. They've got a 1,000 assistant coaches who are the best of the best that are with these guys all the time and developing them. You know, you talk about install, uh, and I think one thing that's going to help Mullen is the fact that a lot of his coaches are back, including Todd Grantham. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time when Todd Grantham announced he was coming back, Gator fans were happy and, you know, because of what he did last year. But thinking more about it, watching spring drills, watching the defense, thinking about what the defense could be this fall. The fact that Grantham stayed has got to be a huge sigh of relief, a huge weight off the shoulders of Dan Mullen because now Mullen can do what is his thing on offense and say, Todd, you're on that side of the ball. You take care of that part of it. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And I, and whenever you say that, I go back to the practice schedule. It's it's It was so impressive to see how their practice was organized and run. And and I've seen a million practices, and that's top five on the organization, the pace, the tempo, the enthusiasm, the focus. Like, every drill had a focus. And, and it's that synergy. It's it's the fact that they didn't have – the you know, Torian Gray comes in, and Degum, he may be an upgrade. Like and, and, and I'm a big fan of the guy that left and went to Georgia. Big fan of him. But Torian Gray's legit, mm-hmm. and and he's he fit right in there. And it's just every coach is coaching their butt off, and Mullen's working the crap out of them. Like, and th- that's just it's that's how you get better. And because they were able to keep all those coaches, they're able to do that straight out the gates in spring. That is a humongous advantage that have really, if you think about it, Alabama's had for a long time. They get the turnover, but it's still the same dude in charge, and the people are. At Alabama, the coaches practice for practice. True story. They practice for practice. Nick Saban requires them to have every drill ready and submitted to him before they go to practice, and then he requires them to have a meeting about the practice that they're going to be doing with the kids. That's, well, I mean, look, there's a reason they're unbelievably successful. Success, really, that's been un, uh, has never been seen in college football, or at least not been seen for quite some time. It's because they go above and beyond what they need to do. That is Denny Thompson. I'm the Hacker Ryan Green. This is Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Denny, as we start to put a wrap on this week's edition, a couple of thoughts uh, as we go out the door. Number one, you admitted, and knowing Carson and knowing the Gator staff, uh, Carson Beck, and knowing the Gator staff and the recruiting circles, that that was a jackhammer to Florida when Carson Beck committed to Georgia. That, that was just a jackhammer. Now, it's been oh, about a month now. Um, from what you're hearing, people you're talking to, have the Gators started putting the pieces back together as far yeah, as getting yeah. things back uh, on the up and up when it comes to recruiting? Yeah, they've they've adjusted. They've got some targets. Um, the local kid that was committed to him before, Anthony Richardson, is a, is a big target for them. And they, from what you've told me, they liked him. Now, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'll ask you your opinion. You may not even know. I know you know Anthony a little bit. Did Anthony Richardson decommit because he thought Carson Beck was going to Florida? I don't think he. I don't think that's the. I think Carson played a role in it. And Ant, this isn't anything Ant's told me. This is just I was there <laughs> that day. Um, I think it played a role in it, but I really think that he just wanted to be recruited. Mm-hmm. He wanted to see where he is at because he went from. I don't. I'm guessing here. He went from 180 pounds, 185 pounds to 220. He went from. Um, oh, he pulled a Jalen Jones then. You haven't seen the picture. No. Oh, bro. 
Because Jalen Jones did the same thing. If y'all want to see something crazy, then just go to Google and Google Anthony Richardson 24-7 and go to images and scroll down at the 11-month comparison of Anthony Richardson. Wow. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen. The kid went from running a 4.65 to running a 4.4 laser. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just stuff like that that I think he wanted to say, well, hold on, let me take a step back and let me see. Now, he says he's going to make a decision in May. If that decision is not Florida – that's an that that's another shot to the jaw, bro. Um, then they're going to have to regroup again. Mm-hmm. They've got other targets, but I'm just telling you there's not another kid, Carson Beck included, there's not another kid in this country that's more fit to run what Mullen runs than Anthony Richardson. You know, we talked about this on a couple of previous Gator Bites. We had two more local commitments in the last week, week and a half. Miles Brooks, Trinity Christian, their defensive back, he's on his way to Georgia Tech. You had – uh, Kawan Herndon, tailback from Sandalwood, on his way to Ole Miss. We know about Carson Beck at Mandarin going to Georgia. We know Jeff Sims at Sandalwood is going to Florida State. Jaquez Robinson at Sandalwood has committed to Alabama. There are still a lot of uncommitted guys, including Chance Williams and Jalen Rivers at Oakleaf, including Fred Davis at Trinity. How vital is it, Denny? And I know you think the Gators might not get somebody out of Jacksonville, but if they were to miss out on all this Jacksonville talent, what does that say to Gator fans in this area that Dan Mullen and them are not able to land really good players I, from Jacksonville. I, I don't. I don't think it says anything this year. I really don't. I honestly don't. I, I think that's eleven months apart. By the way. Wow, I'm looking at the Richardson photo. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, um, I don't think it says anything this year because I think that Mullen is very strategic in who he takes, the type of player that he takes. He wants the guys. He wants Fred Davis. He wants the cats out of Oakleaf. He wanted Carson Beck. Um, but you're you're talking about guys that all have the Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson offers, Georgia offers, all that kind of stuff. It's legit competition. Yeah, it's that's, not that's, just Florida. It's, no, it's not Everybody just Florida. Everybody else Florida wants State them too. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't think you can look at that as going, hey, he lost those guys. I mean, you could say that about 40 other teams. Right. I think what what they've got to do is they've, they've got to close. We mentioned Anthony Richardson. They've got to close those guys. They've got to close the guys that aren't just great players, but they're, they're such a good fit in their system that – it makes them, even if they're a three-star, it makes them a five-star in their book because they roll right in and their skill set matches. The guys we're talking about, and Fred Davis is going to start when he walks on campus anywhere. Um, you've got to form the relationships back at the high schools that were lo- that were lost for a couple years of Florida. Right, because McElwain, for whatever reason, and quite frankly, must tramp a little bit, for whatever reason, just did not recruit this area very well. You talk to kids locally who were recruited by Florida during that time, especially McElwain. They didn't jump on guys till late. Um, and then when they jumped on them, it was so awkward. And, and again, I talked about that that certain type of personality you recruit Florida. McElwain didn't have it at all. Um, it, it's just there's some rebuilding that has to be done locally. Got about two minutes. We'll put a final thought on Gator Bites this week. How about a feel-old statement going out the door? Earlier this week was the 12-year anniversary of Joe Kim Noah Al Horford, Corey Brewer, Torian Green, and those 04s winning their second national championship. They beat Ohio State April 2nd, 2007. The reason I know that is because we celebrated 12 years on 1010XL. Our show and our station started that day. What is your lasting memory, your lasting moment, thinking back 12 years ago to when Noah, Brewer, Horford, and Green, and Lee Humphrey for that matter, brought the Gator basketball program their second straight title. Is the, I think the lasting moment is when they said they were coming back. Yeah. 
Right? Are you the same way? Yeah, well, after they beat UCLA for yeah. title number one, and they hold that press conference, and you don't know what they're going to do, and then they hold that rally, you don't know what they're going to do, and then they finally announce that they're coming back, and the place went nuts. And it was such a good time in Gator World oh, at that man. time, just yeah. with football. and about. The impressive thing is them coming back and then actually doing it again. That's the crazy thing. With everybody with gunning back, for them, sure. Yep, that's the crazy thing. But just if when I think about that whole group, I can't get out of my head. It's not a game. It's that whole thing inside the Odell when they all said, hey, we're coming back. Right. Let's do it again. Like that. That's cool. You don't see that much anymore. I mean, everybody's staying? Yeah. That's really cool. 12 years. Hard be like, to believe. It'd be like if Duke, they didn't even win a national championship. Can you imagine if next week we come on here and all those guys said we're coming back? Williamson and Barrett and Reddish all said we're doing again. Yeah, that's right. Because Brewer, Horford, and Noah were all lottery picks. Yep. They were all taken, I believe, in the top ten, as a matter of fact. What's coming up on the sports den over I the mean, next week? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out stuff, when we man. get here. You just wing it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I did appreciate the uh, morale booster you gave me earlier this week on the sports. The team. hacker segment. The hacker We're segment. We're thinking about doing it every week. I think I'm going to download it to my computer, and if ever I'm feeling blue or down, I'm just going to listen to you and Big Game James talk about me for 10 minutes. And it's going to be a big morale booster. We're thinking about having JJ download the best of hacker and did serious about this <laughs> and doing a segment each week. Nice. Well, yeah. I certainly appreciate it. You'll hear Denny <laughs> on the sports den. Of course, you get me on XL Prime time. Denny, have a great week. We'll do it again in seven days. You too, bud. For Denny Thompson, I'm the hacker Ryan Green. Thank you, Jacksonville, for listening to Gator Bites right here on the 1010XL.com podcast network.